0: Good day, folks. Welcome to the Cultural Shocks podcast. I am your host, Oladipo Jabril. On this podcast, we'll be talking to different people about their different immigration stories, where they'll be telling us how it has been for them and also their past experience. Our guests are people who have immigrated from Nigeria to the Western countries, to the Western world. So I promise this is going to be a fun podcast and we're going to have fun while we're making it. All right, so today, my guests, is Aziz Akina Day. Aziz, as he's called by his friend, is in the United States of America and was born in Oyo state. He moved to the United States a couple of years ago where he's been living there. Aziz, you're welcome to the podcast. How are you doing, brother? Doing okay. So how's today been? Uh it's been it's not been too hectic. Yeah, okay. So I got off. All right. All right. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Like I know you, you know we've known each other for is it ten or fifteen years, what? so I mean a little bit. yeah, I mean it's a little bit more than that,
1: yeah, a lot more than more than ten years, two thousand four, yeah, yeah, just, so then that's four.
0: eighteen years,
1: yeah, I don't even know you know wow,
0: crazy, like, bro, yeah. Okay, so, um, but I mean,
1: for my listeners, why don't you tell them about yourself? Uh, my name is Aziz Akinade. Like you said, I was born in Oyo, Ibadan, Nigeria.
0: I'm uh, from Ibadan, and this is the first time I'm actually hearing that.
1: <laughs> but I grew up in Ede, Nigeria, I should say. And, and um, I met your bro in Ede. <laughs> but in school yeah. you did secondary school together for
0: five, five years because
1: you exactly you did not yeah. come when we started in mission yeah, you right, came right. here after us so five and a half years basically uh, yeah. all right. okay so as is um tell us about your immigration story like
0: why um, why did you decide to move like what happened
1: so first i think the first time i actually moved out of nigeria was to study in the UK, and I had a little period of time over there, and I got my master's in the UK, and then I moved back to Nigeria, Yeah, and- remember when you did that, <laughs> and Jabril was one of the first people I actually met when I moved back from the UK, oh. yeah, remember we hung out at the social media week, I think, I think we got- Met coincidentally at the social media week, not even
0: knowing that you were
1: there or something.
0: Yeah, but I, yeah. We just hooked up.
1: Yeah, and afterwards we met again in Abuja. Remember, you,
0: you, I came for my NYSC. You moved to Abuja, yeah. and I told you, "Oh, yeah. I'm doing my NYSC.
1: I'm in town." And you came yeah. home. You came to the house then. So I yeah. mean, Abuja yeah. for a while, and and then I moved back to Lagos. All of this was, I, be, I think, between a year, but. Nigeria for me was just not it. (laughs) It was too much chaos. For me, I did not like the way people work. Like, I could not cope with the work, the way people worked, right? So while I was doing interviews for jobs, they were too into checking what your religion was, which was weird for me. Wow. So like... The first job that I had, I didn't have any problem with it. But every time that I interviewed for a job in Lagos, I think I interviewed for two jobs, which, I, and they would ask, because obviously people kind of see like the, the mark in, in my head and they obviously, you know, I'm Muslim. So the they would ask how often I would pray, which was never a question when I was in the West, right? Even if I did, they would make conditions for me to pray. Right. When I was there, this sure. time. Right. So, and there was too many, every job as a politics, right. Because I was going, I was trying to get a job. It was that time in my life. Right. And it was just the way people worked. It was, it was, it wasn't just it. Like the whole society was just, I felt like it wasn't for me. I wasn't going to like, you know, I wasn't feeling my mental space was not right. First of all, <laughs> it was just a lot of, you know, Bad things that I felt like. Okay, I felt like as I enjoyed my stay while I was in the UK. I'm as well just, you know, be in the West. I felt like it was more suited for me, right? I'm not for moving out of Nigeria. If you feel like you can, you know, you beautiful. like it there, fine. But for me, I just felt like it wasn't for me. And the 18 months, end, when I moved back to Nigeria from the UK, it was tough. It was it was tough. And by the time it was 10 months, I decided I was leaving for the U.S. So I got my visa to leave before the end of the year that I moved back, which was 2016. And by December, I already got my visa to move to the U.S. So, but I waited for about six, no. I waited about eight, seven months before I moved because I moved in July 2017. Um. So that was about seven months. I waited about seven months before I left, just to like get everything in order. Um, and that's why that's how I moved here to the US. That's great.
0: So I mean, yeah. you've actually even covered why you moved, and eventually you take the first step. You know, because I mean, yeah, I experienced that a little bit in Nigeria, because even it depends on even the sector where you are. Sometimes it's very difficult to get some certain jobs because you don't know this person, you don't know that person. I tell a lot of people where you're a very, very fortunate person if you get your dream job in a country like Nigeria. I mean, that's where a lot of us just try to make it. So you understand. Another thing was now you've said you've made us understand that you have been in the UK where you had your master's how was it adjusting to the new environment, the American environment, the American culture? Because America is different from the UK. UK is different from Nigeria. There are three different places. So how was it, like, adjusting into the new environment, into the new culture?
1: I personally would not say I had a culture shock. Um, at... It's kind of expected. I personally expect that things are not the same everywhere. Okay. So it's more adjusting to my new situation. I think boarding school kind of makes you like that. You're not shocked because like you, you've you met a lot of people. I felt like boarding school kind of prepared me for moving to a new place. The first time I actually had a culture shock was going to a boarding school, which was grace. That was like the first okay. time I had a culture shock because it was different, right? I was always okay. being home. All of a sudden I'm in a place where I only see my parents once a month. I have to okay. and this was different because we lived with the teachers on the premise. It wasn't like the teachers mm-hmm. had the right to they were leaving with us. So and a lot of things was different. I felt like that was my first culture shock. And afterwards, regardless of where I find myself, I never really have a shock. It's just like, oh, okay, this is what this is. And I just get with the with what it was. Um, where well,
0: we we're different i had cultural shocks when i moved to canada initially because i've always right. traveled i mean dubai london here and there but when i got to canada it was like a whole new oh this is what happens here this is what happens right. here and it was like oh this is not one of the biggest cultural shocks i still have is i tell people sorry and they tell me it's not your fault and i'm used to saying sorry yeah. to a lot of people
1: now you have I explain- I'm trying to say that there's two forms of sorry they're sorry it's my fault and sorry about your situation. And oh. they kind of understand. Which is the oh. sorry that I meant. Sorry that I cussed it. I'm saying sorry that you're in that situation. And then without oh. make that makes sense. So oh. you know, I kind of differentiate with that. I say sorry when I'm like the situation, I'd be like, my bad, it's my fault. So okay. instead of oh, sorry. Yeah. Right. I- so now, but I mean,
0: one thing is, like, moving here, I missed a lot of things, like the food, the the music, the... I mean, the music, not too much. There's YouTube, there's Spotify. I can always hear it every time. But what do you miss most about Nigeria? Like, what was the one thing that you couldn't... Like, you missed it immediately, you came.
1: To be honest, it will be family. Yeah. With food. This. I I can make food if I want to, right? I can go to, oh, okay. like, the bigger cities where if I want to eat amala, I know where to go. If I want to eat jello fries, I know where to go. Pepper soup, I know uh-huh. where to go. So it's not like I miss the food. I know where to go to get the food. It's mostly, you know, missing your friends that you grew up with and family, you know, that's yeah. always there. The only thing that In- I can say that I miss. But it would not be the lifestyle. If you want to go to a Nigerian club, it's always there. If you're looking for a Nigerian food, um, in bigger cities, you would always find, right? Well, yeah. that's true.
0: That's true. You have a point.
1: Oh, and also
0: what you... even, even speaking about the food. So I went out to the Japanese girl last night and um, hmm? um, she was like, oh, when she was in Japan, she used to eat fufu. And I'm like, excuse <laughs> me? Right. food In Japan, and she was like, Yeah, that Nigerian guy she used to date used to get her food in Japan, and I'm like, Wow! So, I mean, same thing here with me. In fact, when I first got to Canada, and I was like, Oh, one of the first things I'm going to do, I'm not going to eat Nigerian food, so I started trying to eat stuff like salads, I started eating burgers, barbecues, you understand, but later I started missing it. and. I made a call or two. I know where they sell it now. Like, I go into the store. I go into the store, and the store is like a store I go to in Lagos. It's when I come out of the store, I'm in Toronto. But when I go back into that store, I'm in a Yoruba store, not even a Nigerian store, a Yoruba store. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? So, I mean, we've also... So, what are the cultural, like, shocks? I mean, you were not
1: shocked, but there were some experiences that you found out were different from what we had in Nigeria. It would be the first time I got off the plane in London, right? What hit me once I got right outside was the smell of cigarette, right? It was strong. (laughs) It was strong. Like, it hit me in the face, right? And right after I got out, I got to the train station. um, And right when I stepped outside, it was two people kissing, you know? yeah yeah i get that i get that right like i mean it's it's not unheard of if you're in lagos right but if you're in Oshobo or you know people, you, people put focus on you and like what is wrong with you like basically right but like over there it's just it's what it is mind your business and keep it moving right Everybody so keeps moving yeah like it's it's nobody's business it's not look it's not frowned upon it's You wear whatever you want. You you know it doesn't have to be nothing. You, nobody actually pays attention to, to you. Basically, no one gives you the time of the day to question you about anything. So everyone minds their business. While Nigeria is the opposite. Nobody minds their business. That's the only thing that.
0: Why are you doing that? You spoilt children. Yeah. Like oh my god. Everyone.
1: feels like there's a right to scold you if you're not doing something right and that's 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 a cultural thing you know they really take the it takes a it takes everybody to raise a child it takes a whole yeah. if you're not yeah. sometimes it's good other times it's just like mind your business right <laughs> but yeah that would be like the first thing and yeah when i actually moved to the us people I don't go to a place with a perception, right? I'm there to see what it's like. So that's why I guess I don't get the shock as much. I'm just trying to see. I don't have a perception of what if I've never been somewhere, I'm not thinking in my head. I think this is what it looks like. I'm going there okay. to see what it's like. I'm like, oh, okay, that's that's fine. And one thing that was different for me was the way, um, the way that people speak is different from every place right Mm -hmm. and fascinating to understand like most of the time people think everybody sound like everyone from the uk sound the same or everyone from the u.s sound the same they all have different accents too right if you're from the south if you're from you know the midwest you sound different from if you're from the north right so like that that it's oh okay this is how these people sound and if you're in the uk it's people from you know, people from like the Liverpool area sound different from people like in Newcastle, from people like in London. Like everyone sounds different, and you cannot understand that, like, okay, I that I guess those are the things.
0: One of the things about UK I actually like is until tomorrow, I still find it difficult to understand somebody speaking with a Jody accent. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult for me to understand somebody speaking with a judge accent. But I know this is a judged accent. Oh, I know this person is from Liverpool. Oh, I know this person is from, even in London, I know this person is from South London, I know this person is from not London. You understand what I'm trying to say. But I mean, it is what it is. For me, when I got to Canada, one of the cultural shocks I had was, I, I loved the way everything was organized. Right. From the transport system, from the airport, from the board. I'm from Lagos where, when the, red, the, the traffic light turns red. We look left, we look right. You know what? Let us quickly <laughs> run. <laughs> yes, exactly. Wajano well, actually means I run in the light. So you get what I'm saying. And I would see where nobody's coming, but the other cars are waiting at the traffic light. And I have somebody one day, and I said, "Why do people still follow these traffic light rules like this?" And he was like, "Why wouldn't they follow it? Right. Like it is, it is, it is perfect, and it is there for you for you to be able to make good decisions." I love, what I tell a lot of people about this, like, I love the transport system in Canada. Oh, my God. I take the train, I take the subway, I take the bus. If the bus, if they say the bus is going to be here in 10 minutes, the bus is there in 10 minutes. If the bus is going to be there, if the train is going to be arriving in 15 minutes, the train arrives in 15 minutes. And I'm like,
1: wow. And if get a delay, you get a notification like, "Hey, this is what is going on, basically."
0: When I was coming back from my date, the train stopped in the middle of the road for like ten, fifteen minutes. They announced it, and we're like, "Oh, no need to, no need to panic. It's just that there's a different track that the train is on, a different right. track." And I'm like, "We don't get explanation in Nigeria. Whatever happens, happens. Like,
1: you take it. You understand what I'm trying to I say?" Like a city like Lagos should have that too, but you know.
0: I mean, we call ourselves the mega city in Lagos, but I don't see what they are doing that it is making it mega. Because I feel like that city is the city that holds a lot of things down, but it's Um, it's one of the most, even in Africa. Probably What did you say? Probably soon. Okay. I mean, let's hope and pray. So now, one of the important things for people moving, like, like the financial implications, what was the financial implications for you?
1: um i kind of already know what i was getting myself into right and the the reason why it costs a lot of money most of the time is because one the currency exchange is slightly different right you to get a dollar right now i think it's about 550 to a naira to 550 naira to a dollar right so that in itself makes it a little bit expensive and most of the time if you've made up your mind that you're relocating it's kind of easier right you're not going on a vacation you kind of like dispose off of properties that you don't need right if you have a car if i'm relocating to somewhere else i'm selling that car i I don't have any use for it so i'm gonna dispose off of properties disposable properties that i don't need and that was what i did I'm like, hey, I'm not going to need any use for my car. I'm not going to have any need for this. So, you know, I'm just going to sell it off and then move when I have the chance. And a lot of people do that, too. I feel like that's what most people do. Um, I, I had, you know, money saved up, too, that I was like, okay, that, you know, I can put this to this because I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not planning on living in this country because it's it's not I don't feel like it's for me if I decide later you know in life that I want to go like for the next couple of years I'm going to try and go live my life here so yeah those those that was how that was for me
0: wow that was that's crazy mine was um, you know my mom just came up with the idea and said oh why don't you go to Canada just for a while and I was like oh it's gonna be like a, a, a great change of pace so I had savings already and the savings was between use it to get married or you travel, and I was like, <laughs> and she was like, oh, why don't you? Use it to, why don't you travel? I'm like, okay, I'm gonna travel. So I travel. I decided to travel, you know. And I had a, a couple of supports here and there, you know. Upon getting to Canada, I even had uncles that were like, oh, you're going to Canada? There's a thousand dollars. Oh, you're going to Canada? There's... And the same way I sold, showed... I... <laughs> What did he say? I said, I wish. Uh, and that's the same way you did. I sold a couple of my stuff. I sold my computer. I sold some shares. I sold a couple of things like, oh, I don't see myself being in danger for the next five to 10 years. This is not foreseeable for me. Let me let them go. But stuff that I know that, okay, whether I come back or I don't come back, they are still going to be there. You understand what I'm trying to say? Right. So now this is a very, very key issue for me. There is no way there is no racism. I've actually experienced a little bit of racism even here in Canada. So can you tell me your experience with racism? Um
1: I have personally not have someone target me personally, right? I how do I say it? I have people look at my name as Aziz, it's easy to pronounce, right? And it'll be like Aziz, am I saying it right? Why would you not be saying it right? (laughs) It's a five letter word, like those are those are very common, right? And, I mean, if it's a complicated, if it's a tribal name, I might understand. It's
0: A-Z-E-E-Z.
1: There's no other way you can pronounce it. Why are you asking me if you're... Right, just because it looks strange to you, because it's not like a generic John or Peter or Paul or, or, you know, like, why do you have to... And it's... it literally, I still get that till today. And I feel like that's subtle, but they don't see you like that, I I guess. I don't know. I don't go into their mind, but one time... I got egged but that was in the uk but i don't think it was i just felt like it was a couple of drunk people that were doing that to everybody i don't think it was targeted at me i was working on the street and people drove by and hit me with a egg in my face (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah it was like a raw egg and then it splashed in my face and in my car i had to go back home to change um yeah um I have so personally, I am a, am a minority, right? I'm a black Muslim African man. <laughs> that is like a very small, you know, small minority, right? It's I. Hello,
0: oh, I can hear you. Oh, okay.
1: Um, my phone, something went on with my phone. So, um, I, I kind of go with people who I know or kind of in the space that I am, right? That way, mm-hmm. I feel like I have a sense of community, right? I'm not, I'm not in an environment that might be volatile, right? I, not like I don't interact with other people, but I put myself in a place where I feel safe. Wow. That, right. That's, that's actually a good Yeah. Point. So I'm, I, I know the walkabout you get. <laughs> 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 I, I'm always in a place where I have people around me that I know like, okay, it's not just me. Right, kind of E and E. Basically, you know I'm saying for as those that
0: don't understand Yoruba, that means for <laughs> us, like when we go out in public as a group, <laughs> in groups, it brings more prestige yeah. to us.
1: Yeah. It's, it's better out. we go out in group. So it's... yeah, so yeah. Um, so I that,
0: mean, I, even yank. Like, okay, you're saying something.
1: Oh yeah, like I'm just saying that's what I do. But the only time that I feel like I have like a, uh. uh Something that was, uh, how do you say it, xenophobic in nature was, I was at this job, um, it was like the first job that I had, and I think after like four months, I had a promotion to be like, uh, to oversee the people that I started with, and they did not like that. Obviously, I got the promotion because I was doing the job better than everyone else, right? Yeah, <laughs> and they seemed to feel like, why is it the? It was mostly black people at the, you know at the the position that I was at the time, and I did mm-hmm. not understand why they felt it was me. The only concern was like, why would it be the African guy that got to the promotion? Because they felt like, I guess, it was slightly better. I don't know, but the thing is I had more, I was putting them at work and I had more experience and I was actually helping them every single day. So it was only right to put me to oversee them. But that was the only time in recent memory that I felt like a few people, I felt like I was undeserving of something just because of my background. Wow,
0: that's that's actually crazy. I
1: mean, for my
0: own experience, I I mean, there are days where I go into a particular store or I see a particular lady, Oh, there was one Chinese lady, particularly, and we walked into the store and immediately myself and my friend, she just stood up and she just put her hand on her nose and she was like, (laughs) COVID, COVID. And I'm like, excuse me, excuse me? She was like, COVID, COVID. I was like, okay. And I walked out and I asked my friend, what's up? It was like, oh, some people actually do it here where they just make it feel like, oh, you're not good enough. And they just take even... There are some places here you go to and they they just let you know instantly like, oh, you're not going to get this job because you're not from this particular race or you're from this particular place. Do you understand Uh what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, but that is that is something that if someone literally tells you to do that, I know people because every job here in america would say we employ regardless of this 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 at the bar and if someone actually says that out loud it's something that you can actually can
0: actually yeah i mean yeah. it's also here in canada they are not going to say it to you plainly oh, like okay. that they'll say it subtly like you would hear it subtly like the other guy from the the person interviewing you's um dialect or the person's ethnicity gets a preferential treatment and you get to see all those kind of stuff no, nobody will say it to you. Why nobody will say it
1: to you. That Why are they trying to interview other people? You might I as mean, well do.
0: Just... Going... <laughs> I mean, nobody's going to say it to you like that, but they're going to say it to you subtly. So another point I want us to talk about, is, um, this, this is actually a global phenomenon. And um,
1: right.
0: I felt like you were in the US at that time, and I felt like I want to hear your own view about it. So Black Lives Matter like what is your own take about it? Being an immigrant in the U.S. at that, oh critical time, like I felt like that was a very critical time—not for only the people living in the U.S., but for every black person in the world. Whether you're in Africa, whether you're in the Caribbean, whether you're from anywhere, as long as you are black-skinned, you're—you you are, know—you're of African descent. Like that is very key to you. So I, I want to hear your opinion on Black Life Matters you being an immigrant in the United States at the time of that whole movement?
1: Um, I think it, it was, a it wasn't just, it was, it wasn't, I guess the, the tag started from the U.S., but it wasn't just that. It was walks everywhere in the world, people together to, uh, to stand together to say, hey, this is, I mean, it's crazy that we're in 20, I think it was 2020, 20, right? 2020. 20. Yeah, 2020, right? And that yeah, was so fighting to be looked as human beings. <laughs> you know, um, if it was nine, if it was the 1800s, you know, it wouldn't be surprising, right? But this is the 21st century, and we as black people still need to fight to say we're the same as you. Like, why should we be treated any less just because of the color of our skin, right? Um, It was very emotional at the time for everybody. (laughs) Um, And the sad reality is the fact that it's been, I don't know, two years after that movement became a global phenomenon. And nothing has really changed, right? They claim something has changed, but technically nothing Nothing has really changed. That was happening still happens, right? It was, so I, at the time, had the impression that it was still going to be the same. So I, I wasn't over emotional about it. As much as I hoped something was going to change, I was very realistic about The situation and I felt like it was going to be a movement and it was going to, it was going to make a lot of buzz, right? For a while. And things were still going to go back to the same thing, right? Yeah. Your experience about, you know, being discriminated by your race was after the movement. No laws were passed per se. Most of the things that happened, no one, it's not seen as a criminal offense. Until people get, you know, actual jail time for racist behavior, right? Because you cannot... I'm just saying it out loud, right? It's impossible to be like, hey, this is a punishable offense, right? Yeah. A lot of people will not change the ideology of the fact that they feel they're more superior than other people just because of the color of their skin. Right? Well, yeah, and as... That, that, that was well said. Right, so... At the time, I hoped for the best. I did not go out for any march. I did not personally go out. Mm. Um, I have conversations in my close circle that I felt like it's conversation that gets hurt. right? We have Mm. conversations, we say our opinion, and I understand those people is the power that I have right now is where it goes. I can tweet or post on my social media page from now to the end of time. And that would not really affect anything. I'm not saying people who do it a dozen, but I just feel like if I'm not in a place... You know, the social media makes our voice heard. You know, I might contribute... Yes. Yeah, yeah it actually does. Hashtag trend. Just to make the people who have the power to change things see the plight. But at the end of the day, he, it does for a while, and we we'll still just go back to where we were. I pray and I hope it yeah. gets better. But, yeah, it's still what it I is. Mean,
0: I mean, I understand
1: it totally because the the whole Black Lives
0: movement is very synonymous to the End south movement too, yeah. which you're we're, yeah. we're, we're a part of. And you know, I was in Lagos all that time. I saw right. the way the youths came out and we governed together. And it, it, it actually shook some people in the power, but it wasn't within the same youths that at the end of the day, The betrayal started coming out. The people started becoming double-sided. And, you know, then everything went to start school. Even we asked questions, who ordered the shootings at the toll gate? And everybody moves around and, you know, nobody's answering the questions and we are back to business as usual. So for the same thing you you said, I mean, I just hope this next election coming in 2023, we're able to make proper decisions and right decisions and hold the political class accountable. I know it's a very, very long thing to ask for, but it is what we can hope and pray for because it is subtle school to them. It is subtle school to that environment.
1: Do you understand what I'm saying? Every time we're hoping and praying for something, it means the proper action is not getting done, right? Yeah. I mean, mean, there needs to be some sort of action, right? I, 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 one of the reasons I moved back to Nigeria after I completed my master's was because I was very hopeful about a lot of things. And it wasn't just hope. I was ready to do the work, right? I was ready to do whatever it was. I put myself in places and shared ideas with a lot of people that I felt like, you know, could make a big change. Um, but at the end of the day, you You'll ever get frustrated by the people who have a lot more influence, power, and money than you do.
0: And at true the end that, of
1: the that's day, true. You don't have that much power, influence, or money. You just get drowned in it, right? So well said. That's that's well how said.
0: Like. Yeah. All right. So now another part of another thing. I, one thing I wanted to ask you was. I remember the day you called me and you were like, oh, you joined the army. And I'm like, really? And we're like, oh, yeah. I'm like, okay. What was the move? Because if you remember, did you ever meet my cousin, Demeji?
1: No, no. But we we had a conversation.
0: Good. Yeah. Good. So, I mean, Demeji, too, joined the army. And I remember when they told me Demeji joined the army, I was like, excuse me, what's your, what is the reason Right. And I think my dad sat me down and was like, "Oh, he loves it. He wants to do it." Actually, even spent a couple of days with him last month. He was in Toronto right. for like the weekend and everything. So, my honest, what was the motivation behind that decision? Like, what happened?
1: Um, I guess it goes back to while I was growing up. I've always said I wanted to do what was called short service in Nigeria. Right. It's yeah. Um. It's basically, usually, in, from my knowledge, right, from what I know in Nigeria, if you do not go through the army school and through the ranks, you have, and you go after you've graduated school, you have a limited, you know, time in service that you can spend. You start off as a certain rank that is higher than going through the ranks, right?
0: Yeah, and yes. I want
1: to service, right? But obviously, that did not happen, right? <laughs> And yeah. I don't live there anymore. So I had a second chance to do that. And I took the opportunity. But I'm not a full-time Army person. I'm one day a weekend warrior. <laughs> um, I'm part-time. I still have my, you know, full-time job as a project manager. And I go through my training like a regular person. I go through everything. But right after I, you know, I qualify for my job, In the Army, I am a surgical technologist, right? After I qualify for my job, I get attached to a unit, a reserve unit. And I basically show up two days every month, right? A Saturday and a Sunday, yeah, um, every month, do what is expected of me, uh, training, readiness, and two weeks in the summer. To basically just you know improve your readiness to to train on your uh-huh. job, so you get in the skill. Are like, saying, are
0: you saying that they can't deploy you now?
1: No, I. If there's need to, it's not just personal. It would have to be my unit, right? If my unit, okay. as you know, is in a deployable status, they will let us know. You have to, you know, be ready. They put you in a place where you, you know, get ready, and then they deploy your unit. So. Reserve unit basically it's a smaller unit right sometimes there are missions that does not require you to move a whole you know a whole battalion then they take smaller units which is the reserve which is basically like a backup right so okay. we're referred to as the weekend warriors because we only wear uniform on weekends and two weeks in the summer so a total of like 14 days plus another a total of like twenty, twenty eight days every year. In a year, yeah, wow.
0: that's very good. That's a very good one. And um, you know, how's the experience been like for you? Like, what has it been like? Is you know, you come from a place where you see the, the, the military different from this military, which you are. You understand what I'm saying? Like, what has the experience been like?
1: Um, the U.S. military is referred to as the you know the best military in the world, right? And yeah, that's true. The process is you go to basic training, which is basically training you to be a soldier, right? Once you graduate basic training, you have to go train for your job. For me, as a surgical technologist, I had to, you know, take classes, which is like the first phase. After I took my classes and graduated, I had to go do clinicals. So I, I get attached to a hospital, and I do my job as helping surgeons do surgeries actual actual surgeries. so I was in a hospital, my work every day would be to resume in the morning, go to the operating room, and help out with surgeries and um at the end of it, I have to get well i must i have to i had to take the certification as well, which I passed. yeah so um after I got my um mos you get qualified so you have to pass not every it's basically like going to school not everyone who starts you know graduates basically so once you graduate, you have a ceremony and then you're qualified to do your job and then you know different jobs some people it's it ranges from a surgical to a nurse to uh to, a to be the content director, to be the creative director, to yeah, be to the, be the director, photographer, to be the cook. So everyone, yeah, out that they expected to do, and you have to like qualify yeah. for it. But it, it was, yes. it was, it was a great experience. You know, I'm still, okay. still the, the weekend work. So
0: I, <laughs> I understand. So now, this question I had planned, I wanted to ask you, mm-hmm. from this whole podcast thing. I already know the answer. Okay. But I still want you to say it. Do you have any regrets?
1: Um, I personally do not have any. Like with moving out of yeah, now, with the whole
0: immigration, the oh, whole oh, I, county, I,
1: I, everything. Regrets? Um, it's an experience, right? I yeah. I felt like one of the reasons why I actually moved is the fact that I felt like I have a lot to offer, and the environment that I was was not allowing me to to give what I have to offer. So that's to be honest, that's the most that's the reason why I felt I felt like I was I had a lot to give. For the environment it's like being in a relationship, right? And I feel like this relationship does not let me be who I need to be, right? That's the way I I get that. I need to find I understand. You know, I need to find another person, which in this case it was a place that, you know, allowed me to to give as much as I can. I am a surgical technologist. I'm a project manager. I am a referee. Like I felt like there's a lot I can do and I wanted to do that. And this environment allowed me to tap into the things that I can do, right? The The things that I felt like I'm good at and be able to do those things. There's no way I can juggle that many things if I was in Nigeria, in my opinion. I don't know if there are people that might do it, but, like, I, I wear different hats on different days. I can decide to be a project manager. I am. It's not like I decide. This weekend, I might, you know, have my training. The next weekend, I might be refereeing a game. And on Monday, I'm back to being a project manager. So I like the flexibility that this environment, you know, gives to me. If we are being I, very honest, Nigeria doesn't give us that flexibility. Right. If we are being At least from my ourselves. opinion. Though, my, because I don't... Every, it's I, not even from your own opinion. From <laughs> the truth's opinion. <laughs> no, are better. It's, it's... I don't want my... To say something that's my experience and make it someone else's experience, right? Some people might experience okay. Nigeria differently. They might experience...
0: Well, you have a oh, point. Nigeria
1: makes me, you know, the best version of myself. But for me, it wasn't just it for me. That's why I would not tell someone, oh, leave or migrate to somewhere else. If it works for you, yeah. If it doesn't, you might, you know, if you're in a relationship and you feel like it's good, stay in the relationship. I'm not going to tell you there's something better just because something else works for me. You have your spouse, I have mine. So if it works, it works. If it doesn't, then you can explore other options. That's the way that I see it. Exactly, exactly. Right. I'm going to move to Canada, by the way. I just... (laughs) I just stopped in America I actually wanted to move to
0: the US but Canada was like a very quick oh let's just get in because the US was a little bit hard to get in throughout the backlog of COVID uh, uh, Trump the Trump administration and everything so it was a little bit it was a little bit that so now this is like one of my favorite questions I actually want to ask you right if you are to do it again, what will you change from this time? Like will you do it again or you're still gonna do it the same way? Um
1: <laughs> to be honest, I I feel like I mean the short and the short answer is I'll do it again, right? If the situation was yeah. the same, I will do it again, yeah. right? And yeah, that's that's it. That might go into an explanation, but like at the end of the day, my answer will still be I'll still I'll do it again maybe a few things yeah. differently but i would still do it. i would if the situation was still the same i would do it again i would have loved that everything i'm doing i'm doing it you know in nigeria to benefit myself and be closer to like the people that i call to where i would call home but i mean i have two homes that's the way it is <laughs> no that's true that's true and um,
0: one thing i discovered again is Another thing I actually discovered again is home
1: is where the heart is. Sometimes my heart is, you can always create, but I have two homes home here and I'm home in Nigeria. I'm welcome in both places. So yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, it's been very
0: great having you talking to us. I mean, I've learned a lot of things and I'm sure that my listeners too, have learned my listeners too. have learned a lot of things from the whole climate about Nigerian, reason for moving reason for picking the certain locations you understand and uh, it's been a pleasure having you um thank you for coming on the podcast pleasure Uh, thank you very much i really really appreciate it um i mean i don't know how long this is gonna take but i mean i had so much fun talking to you I, i even saw a lot of things from your own perspective and it's very very good so thank you
1: very much and i really appreciate that okay i would like to mention jabril was my first friend when i went to boarding school <laughs> wow thank you very no, much for That's real. Like 18 years ago you were like my tall guy you showed me everywhere yeah i remember i remember, remember you yeah, took me yeah. to iron my clothes for monday it was yeah and i did not iron mine oh yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> I didn't know my...
1: Yeah.
0: But well, it's all good. I mean, it, it was, I mean, Stop. from there we were it able to not create not that it. far away,
1: but it, it's 18 years ago. That's crazy. Dang. like that's, like, that's, that's
0: crazy. And we, we've actually tried to even remain in the part where we talk to each other for all this time. Because I remember, I, I'm not sure you even remember. You did not tell me you were traveling. You told my sister. And I was I... actually having a conversation with her. Die on me, yeah. oh. And I was having a conversation with her. Really? And she was like, I was like, "Oh, I'm going to see him." And I was like, "I'm going to see him." She was like, "Going to see who?" I'm like, "Going to see him." She was like, "Somebody that is in America." I'm like, "Whoa!" So I, I remember uh, sending you a message, and you were like, "Oh, yeah, you moved." And I was like, "Oh, that's good." I should, I should reach out. No, but. We'll a... Yeah, yeah, bro. But...
1: Anyway, all right. <laughs>
0: yeah. Thank you very much for doing this. I really, really appreciate it. You in... know. bro. All right, now you take care of yourself, bro. Bye. Bye.